Hi, we're Josh and Arielle Wamsley, owners of Green Valley Tree LLC, based in North Wyndham. We're proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week and to serve the communities of Wyndham and New London counties with our tree removal and plant health care services. Visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com for a full list of our services or give us a call on 860-234-4041. We look forward to hearing from you. They've been introducing people young and old to citizen science about our oceans for the last 50 years. We talk exclusively to Project Oceanology about their Marine Science Day 2023 as part of our National Ocean Month coverage. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. In our continuing coverage throughout June of National Ocean Month, we caught up with Project Oceanology at their 18th Annual Marine Science Day 2023, an event designed to educate students in grades 4 to 8 about Long Island Sound and marine science by giving them hands-on marine science workshops on land and on the sound as well. I followed the event in person and we start our report with a chat with Project Oceanology's Executive Director, Andrew Ely. Andrew, thanks for your time. We're here at Marine Science Day 2023, which I believe is your first Marine Science Day as Executive Director. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. What will you be doing today? Today, I'm here to support the staff and to meet with families and hear, you know, from parents in particular, what can we do to help educate your children? A lot of the kids that we bring into Marine Science Day are homeschooled children or children that come from schools that are further away, just learning more about how Project O can help them as well. This is an exciting day for students and for, you know, for us as well because they get to go out on a boat onto Long Island Sound, they get to touch critters, they learn all of this great stuff. I mean, this really is science at its best, isn't it? It is. You know, citizen science, being able to get out in the environment where these animals live and see and understand what that's like firsthand is very memorable. Even this morning, I was in the grocery store on my way to work and I had my Project O shirt on. And the cashier stopped me and she said, oh, Project O, my son went there 30 years ago and she wanted to tell me about his experience. So this is a parent who didn't even do it herself, right? It's so memorable that she wants to share with me the experience that her child had and how positive that was. That's amazing. It's 50 years of this amazing organization that continues to astound and to educate, you know, young people and, you know, adults as well. You must be proud of the work here and it must be an awesome feeling being the executive director of something which is really sort of like a legacy here in this part of Connecticut. It is amazing. I am very proud and grateful to be a member of this wonderful team. Um, Our staff, our educators, our captains, all the folks who work behind the scenes are the ones who make it happen. And I'm just grateful to be here working with them to make this happen for generations to come. Well, we're grateful for your time. We know that you have got a boat to catch because you're going out with the students this morning. And it's a lovely day, so do enjoy your time out on Long Island Sound. I will. Thank you very much. Kimberly Donahue, Maritime Educator with Project Oceanology. Kimberly, thanks for joining us. You've got a fun old day ahead of you. You're out on the boat with the students. What are you going to be teaching them? 
Yeah, um, I'm going to have roughly 36 students out on the boat. I generally work in the stern and we do some biotic sampling. So we're going to set a trawl net and see what we have on the bottom of Long Island Sound. We'll also set a plankton net and pull a lobster pot. So we're going to do a couple different ways of biotic sampling off of the boat. It's a lot of hands-on experience for the kids. They get to set the net themselves and really look at all the animals, touch them, see what's going on. How do they take to that when they see it? Because science is great, but it's taught so much, you know, in classrooms and out of textbooks. And here they're actually getting to do science hands-on you know it doesn't get any better than that does it yeah absolutely we do a lot of stuff in the classroom as well but typically when we bring them out on the boat you can see like the spark in their eye they really get into it and get excited and some of them have never been on a boat before and some of them this is the first time that they get to touch a a flounder or even really look at plankton Um, so it's really exciting that they get to be hands-on and get that new experience that without Project O they probably wouldn't have had and what do they take away from from this as well because you know you've done this many times before obviously it's a new set of students for 2023 but what do they take away from this other than the excitement and obviously you know this great boat trip out onto Long Island Sound a lot of it is the experience itself but we talk about adaptations we talk about the environment human impacts on why we are seeing fish why we're not seeing fish the water quality so they really do get like a full science lesson on Long Island Sound you typically that's the water that they're closest to but they don't really know much about it but they get it in like a real life experience they're not just talking about it in a textbook Uh, they get to see it firsthand like they get to see the numbers and they get to see what we do and don't catch and what sort of age groups are you dealing with today Um, we're going to be working with mostly middle schoolers today so like sixth through eighth grade which is typically our demographic but we do anything from elementary to college students but yeah, they, they usually do go home, talk to their parents. I know that I have chaperones that come on the trips that are always saying that they did this when they were young and like their mom did it and their sister did it and they can't wait for their younger brother to do it. And so they take it home and sometimes we've had students go back to their classroom and like tell other teachers about it and so then they want to be on the Project O trips too. The staff members are just as excited as the students are. And just, you know, questions, obviously, you know, young minds, lots of questions sort of thing. But anything that's like particularly comes up every now and again or or consistently as a bit of a theme? I mean, do they understand the impact that we're all having on the environment? I think for the most part, once they really get through the whole thing, they can understand, at least in our part of Long Island Sound, it is pretty healthy. And there is fluctuation between the types of animals we get throughout the year. But yeah, they seem to truly understand, like, if we get a lot of rainwater, the water is going to be less salty and stuff like that and sometimes we'll do nutrient testing and so they'll see like if we're closer to the wastewater facility that we might get different numbers than if we're next to ocean beach so it's a lot of fun to have them do that as far as like questions go the biggest one they always ask about if we have sharks in long island sound (laughs) which we do but just the small ones like dogfish size debbie say a marine science educator with project oceanology i won't keep you too long because i know you have to catch a boat what are you going to be doing today debbie uh we're going to be aboard our research vessel the envirolab 3 going to take student groups out on the boat to examine the abiotic and biotic components of Long Island Sound. In layman's terms, we're going to catch a whole bunch of critters. We're also going to connect that a little bit to the water quality parameters that are out there too. So specifically today, we're going to be measuring temperature, salinity, and oxygen, and connecting those ideas to some of the global climate change impacts that are happening here in Long Island Sound. You've been doing this for six years now. You must have seen some changes even in six years, I'm guessing. 
That's true. Yeah. Project Oceanology has been collecting citizen science data with our students since 1972. So we have a, you know, a 51-year data set. But even in the time that I've been here, I've seen changes in surface and bottom temperature and pH actually is something that's changing out here as well. One of the things that I understand is that Long Island Sound is cleaner than it used to be, but there's still things that we can do to help encourage and, and you know, do, do better with it, isn't there? Yes, we are doing better at controlling things within the watershed. So even if you are not living right at the coast, things that happen on land do really impact our water. So things like just making sure you clean up after your dog, being more thoughtful about where your rainwater goes in your property or lawn fertilizers and pesticides, those things over the entire watershed have a big impact. They make them to the rivers and then they come to Long Island Sound. So these are some of the lessons, apart from obviously, you know, the hands-on to like science that the students are going to get, these are some of the lessons that hopefully, you know, they'll take away, tell their parents, etc. So that, you know, we, we all become better stewards of the environment around us. Yes, yeah, so we like to um, have our students feel like they are part of a larger picture uh, that helps them feel like they can be stewards of our environment. They can help take care of our natural resources and hopefully they want to do that after they held a couple of the the fish or the crabs or um, what we catch in the trawl well debbie thanks for talking to us i know as i said you've got a boat to catch so we don't want you to miss that thanks ever so much yeah thanks so much Evan Ward. I'm professor and head of the Department of Marine Sciences, and I'm a marine biologist that focuses on the studies of commercially important invertebrates, such as clams and crabs and oysters and mussels, all the good things that are out there to eat. So that's what the students are learning today. What sorts of things will they specifically be sort of like being taught and and what will they learn? What we're looking at specifically is a very simplistic food chain. So most of these students have little experience with the marine environment, but they do have experience with the terrestrial environment, the environment on land. So we start off talking about the base of a food chain on the land, and most students say, oh yeah, well grass, right? That's the base of the food chain. Those are the autotrophs. Well, what eats grass? Cows. Everybody knows that. What eats a cow? Well, besides humans, there are other things, maybe a lion or something like that. Now let's translate that to the marine environment. What is the base of the food chain in the marine environment? Well, it's microalgae, phytoplankton. So that's the base of the food chain. So we show them some microalgae, and then we move to, okay, what kind of organisms eat those tiny, tiny microscopic organisms? Well, one of the many organisms that do eat phytoplankton are the bivalve mollusks. So bivalves, clams, oysters, mussels, they filter these small plants out of the water column and they ingest them. So that's what they're doing right now. We have oysters here that we've opened up and they can see the actual process of them capturing these tiny little particles and they've made some drawings. The next step, what eats oysters? Crabs. And, of course, humans. So that's what we're doing now. We're feeding crabs some of the mussel and oyster tissue, and they're observing the crabs eating that. So there's a simplistic food chain. And then we will end this session with a discussion of how humans also eat bivalves, clams, mussels. But we have to be careful not to over-harvest them because they are important to the environment not only important to humans, so. Hey guys, can I come and interrupt you? Yep. So, can I get both your names? Oh, I'm Jaden. 
Jenkins, Meriden, Connecticut. I am from Meriden, Connecticut as well. Uh, Zachary Crispino. So you're looking at a crab, is that right? So just explain to me what you're doing. We're trying to feed it, but Fred is not eating. Our crab is like, he's only going on the x-axis, going left and right. And what are you feeding him? Uh, We're trying to feed him meat. It's like a little meat out. So is this the first time you've seen a live crab? I've used to collect hermit crabs on the beach. I've all around crabs. For me, yes. What are you hoping to learn from this today? What they do. Like how they act when different things are placed near them. You're here all day at the Marine Science Day, so what are some of the other things that you hope you're going to either see or learn from your, your day here at Project Oceanology? Try to eat. And also, we, we really hope that we can maybe get on the boat, but it doesn't look like we're doing that. I'm also really excited to eat. Really excited for that. Well, I'm going to leave you to uh, watch your crab. Have you given him a name at all? Fred. It is Fred. <laughs> it is Fred. Well, Fred looks like he's very wary of all of us, so um, I'll leave you to watch him and uh, we'll see if he eats. Yep. Thanks for the interview, guys. You're welcome. My name is Kelsey Gillen and I work at Mystic Aquarium. Kelsey, thanks for talking to us. You're just waiting for your class to turn up and you're going to be talking about careers, marine careers. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about all of the different departments that we have here. We have a really diverse group of people that work with us. We have anywhere from trainers to guest services to vet staff to education like me. So I'm just going to dive into that a little bit more. Mystic Aquarium, of course, one of the best aquariums in the nation. I know we're a little bit biased, but, you know, I think that's absolutely true. What sorts of things can people see at Mystic Aquarium? Because that's constantly changing as well, isn't it? So we do have some exhibits that change. They cycle through by season. But what stays constant with us are our Arctic Coast animals. We have belugas. We have seals. We have sea lions. We have African penguins as well. And then in our main gallery, we have a lot of really cool animals like the giant Pacific octopus. We have a shark touch tank. We have ray touch tanks. And then we also have an ocean pollution exhibit upstairs. You know, when people come visit Mystic Aquarium. As I say, it's a superb place to come and visit. Do people realise how many different types of jobs are just there, but also how many different types of jobs are actually in the marine world? Definitely not, because what you see, it's a lot of guest services and education and a lot of volunteers. But then when you talk to them, you realise that we have people who do a million different things so we have that education and guest services but then we have everybody behind the scenes that keeps the aquarium actually running so we have aquarists and trainers and vet staff and they are responsible for a lot of the maintenance and upkeep of all of our animals and you've got things like veterinarians and people who clean the tanks of course (laughs) oh yes of course everybody kind of does a little bit of everything so and what sort of questions do you generally get from so like the students when they come into a class like this because it must be a million different questions yeah We get a lot of different things, mostly like, what do you do? What does education involve? Like, what kind of classes do you teach? And I tell them kind of everything. (laughs) I range from animal habitats all the way down to conservation, ocean conservation and pollution. I also get a lot of questions like, where are the penguins? (laughs) Can't bring penguins here with me, but they are at the aquarium. And then I get a lot of questions about what's your day-to-day. And with that, I can't really answer because my day-to-day is crazy and it's very different all the time. And I'm always traveling and talking to new people. So. What did you learn out of this? What was this particular session? I can learn that you can, like, what kind of, like, job and, like, like how you can learn about how, so many animal, animals and, and, like, how to train them. Is there anything there that made you think, I want to be that? Probably that I can work with animals and, and that they will, and then I can train them however, like, I need. Thank you very much. Thank you.
I'm Tessa Getchis from Connecticut Sea Grant here at UConn. So what have you been teaching the kids today on Marine Science Day 2023? We've been talking about oysters and how important they are not only to us as humans, but all of the other animals and plants and the whole ecosystem. And what have they been doing? Because I can see lots of, sort of like oysters out here. So just talk us through what they've, been, what they've been up to. Sure. We've been talking about the external and internal anatomy. So they've been dissecting the oysters, which is really cool for them to see how similar their bodies are to our bodies and systems. And they've also been working as scientists, counting oysters on a reef and trying to estimate how new baby oysters collect and form on a new reef. And what sort of questions have they been putting to you? Because I'm sure they've got a million questions. They have a million great questions. And so they've actually been answering all our questions. You know, just the importance of oysters to us and clear and cleaner water to Long Island Sound and providing great food and all of the farmers and fishermen that harvest them. So we've been talking about crazy words like eutrophication and what that means and how oysters fit into that picture. And so they're really brilliant kids. It's been a pleasure. Has it been interesting with some of the questions? Because probably they don't realize where these critters come from. Some of them have never been to Long Island Sound, and so they're amazed. They've either seen their parents eating oysters or they've seen pictures, but they just thought they were rocks. So it's fun to see them open them up and get really excited about. Any pearls found today? No pearls, but we found a pea crab. So everyone thought that was really cool or really gross, and so they can eat those too. <laughs> Hello. Can I come Hi. and have a quick chat with all of you? I'm from, I'm from a local podcast, so what have you been... Explain to me what you've been doing and what you've got here. Um, so we've been um, just dissecting oysters and learning about their anatomy. Did you find out from doing that? We learned, like, they have a mantle, they have internal organs. They're, like, very similar to the human body. Did you find it fun? Talk, talk, talk me through, because you've been, like, looks like me making notes here and you've got your gloves on. So just how did you find it all? They, like, talked us through it and taught us how to, like... Uh, dissect them and like count them what were some of the things that you you learned that you didn't know about before um i learned that 85 percent of oyster reefs have been like lost and um i learned ways we can protect them by recycling oyster reefs and um <coughs> not by oyster reefs by recycling oyster shells and by um telling other people about how to save them did you know where oysters came from before you came here uh no do you think you might get yourself a job maybe later on in something like this field do you think you might be a marine so like scientist is it like something that's interesting to you uh yeah i think it'll be a lot of fun well thank you ever so much for talking to me and yeah it looks like you've done some good work there thank you i'm sarah andrew and i'm from union connecticut so you've just come back in from being on the water for a couple of hours tell us what happened well they basically just gave us a tour of the boat and some animals and like how they capture like crabs and lobsters and uh what certain animals are what did you learn while you're out there uh what the sea is well this uh body of water is uh yeah, it's a uh, brackish, which is when fresh water and seawater are combined together. And how, how enjoyable was it? It was pretty enjoyable. I loved it, honestly. Made you feel like maybe you want a career in this type of industry? Um, honestly, even before that, I wanted to like go into like marine biology. But um, honestly, I know that like that's a hard thing to get into. But yeah, that makes me more interested. And why did you want to come on this particular so, like course? I just think it was cool, like, figuring out, like, finding, like, different animals in the sea. Yeah. Thank you ever so much. I expect you want to go and grab some lunch, don't you? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Jackie Budd from Union, Connecticut. You're a teacher. Uh, you've got how many students with you today? Sixteen. How have they been, and, and what are they learning? 
They've loved it. They've been out on the water and they've dragged up, drug up two, <laughs> two nets and they were able to examine the um, objects that came up through the net and they just love touching everything and looking at everything and hearing about the water temperature and quality and all that. For many of them, was it their first time on a boat? A lot of them have been on the boat before, but more in a smaller vessels. So, but yeah. And how important was it to, to bring them here? I mean, Project Oceanology has been going for 50 years. It does a lot of good things. So what was the impetus for, for Union, you know, for the school in Union to come here? It's a relationship we've had, I think, for a couple of years now with them. Um, the science teacher is the one who connects all of this, and I just got to come along for the ride today. So that was wonderful. What was the enjoyable thing for you? Because there's so many things here. Well, finally a beautiful day of weather. But um, to be out on the sound and see the shore from a different from the water rather than from the water out to the water and then um, just also see what's in the water around us and under under us how essential do you think it is for these young people to actually get some hands-on so like science because it's great reading textbooks and you know that's just part of the educational map isn't it Oh, I think it's so important. There's so many different types of learners, and so that hands-on piece, we live up farther enough away from the water that these kids don't experience it all that often. So the hands-on is just another great tool. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And if you're interested in the work, resources, and educational workshops at Project Oceanology and want to get involved, then visit their website at oceanology.org for details about their public and educational programs. You love cookies, so you are going to love the ARC's Golden Chip Giveaway. Find the golden chip and select the bags of the ARC Eastern Connecticut's Classic Crunch Chocolate Chip Cookies and win a free platter of cookies. Visit the ArcECT.com to find a cookie retailer near you and how eating our cookies support jobs for people with disabilities. Visit our cookie factory at 22 Route 171 in Woodstock, Connecticut. Golden chips may be hiding in bags there too. Get buying, start winning. It's mulch season, so come and visit Green Valley Tree LLC. We have a variety of colors for all your landscaping needs. Buy as much or as little as you want. Pick it up or we can deliver to your door. Call Green Valley Tree LLC for all your mulch, plant health care, and tree service needs at 860-234-4041. We are family owned and fully licensed. Is it time to earn your high school diploma and build a brighter future? EastCon's adult education programs can help. With EastCon's free NEDP program, there are no tests, and you can work at your own pace. You can even earn your diploma in as little as 6 to 12 months. An EastCon advisor will help you succeed from registration to graduation. Scheduling and locations are flexible. The program is free. Registration is open now. Go to eastcon.org and click on adult and community programs and build your brighter future today. Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week, sponsored by... When you face cancer, you deserve to be treated by leading experts in a caring and personalized manner. At Eastern Connecticut Hematology and Oncology, or ECHO, we pride ourselves on getting to know each patient and going the extra mile to deliver outstanding care. Whether you're visiting our doctors, getting an infusion, doing lab work, or spending time with our support team. We treat you like family. See what our patients say at echoassociates.org slash family. 
Governor Lamont is commending the overwhelming majority of bipartisan lawmakers in the Connecticut General Assembly who voted to approve a biennial state budget for fiscal years 2024 and 2025. That includes the largest cut to the state's income tax rates in Connecticut history and increases to the earned income tax credit for low-income working individuals and families, while also providing significant increases in funding for K-12 education, childcare programs, affordable housing units and non-profit providers. The budget bill, House Bill 6941, passed the House of Representatives on a vote of 139 to 12 and passed the Senate on a vote of 35 to 1. Now that both chambers of the General Assembly have approved the bill, the governor will sign it into law. While Connecticut's teacher shortage worsens, education experts are looking to get solutions in place. In spite of widespread support for those solutions, they're not always easy to implement. Edwin J. Vieira of the Connecticut News Service has this report. As the school year ends, Connecticut's teacher shortage seems to have only worsened. In March, school districts across the state reported having 2,600 vacancies for teachers and paraeducators. This is leading to increased class sizes, which only causes educators to get burned out quicker. A 2022 survey from the Connecticut Education Association finds 74% of educators are more likely to leave the profession or retire early. Kate Diaz with the Connecticut Education Association notes a problem that once affected higher needs districts is afflicting every district in the state. The vacancies are now leading to school closures and that's where we are seeing sort of an uptick in, well, we can't actually staff our school today and that's a real problem that I don't see getting better without a significant intervention. Long-term state-level solutions include apprenticeship programs established by the state's Department of Education and Governor Ned Lamont. But Diaz says barriers to becoming a teacher in the state need to be removed and wages need to be raised for teachers. A 2023 CEA survey finds 65% of voters in the state feel teachers aren't paid enough. One challenge Diaz finds is making sure funding is spent in the right place to bring about much-needed changes. She notes providing aspiring teachers with some kind of incentive could alleviate this shortage. To solve the problem today is about how do we attract people to this profession, career changers? How do we convince people that this is a really viable and important profession? You know, come here and work. So it's attracting people from out of state and attracting second career educators. Diaz adds the state needs to utilize a workforce shift to its benefit in hiring teachers. Other factors leading to a decline in teachers include high college costs. A 2019 Center for American Progress report finds these growing costs caused enrollment in teacher programs to drop by more than one-third between 2010 and 2018. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. In the Norwich Bulletin this week, and the usually fast Amazon company is slow on delivering their long-awaited distribution centre in Plainfield. Town officials said they've been assured it will start operations at some point, perhaps in 2024. The so-called last-mile facility on Lathrop Road was initially set to begin receiving and delivering packages in May 2022, but a series of delays attributed to a sluggish economy exacerbated by the global pandemic, has kept the 200,000-square-foot building unoccupied. Plainfield town planner Mary Ancinetti said she spoke with Amazon Economic Development Principals recently on where the opening process sits. She said she was told they are not coming in 2023, but are looking at 2024. She said they were still fully committed to coming into Plainfield. Chinetti said she expects to get another opening update in August after a summer meeting during which Amazon officials 
officials are scheduled to conduct an overview discussion of the company's various distribution and warehouse projects. In the day this week, chef Sherry Pocknett, who used to be the food and beverage manager for the Mash and Tucket Pequot Museum and Research Centre, became the first Indigenous woman to win a James Beard Award. Pocknett won the Best Chef Northeast category during a ceremony in Chicago recently. She was nominated for her work at Sly Fox Den 2 Restaurant in Charlestown, Rhode Island, the restaurant which she opened in 2021 that focuses on Indigenous cuisine and food traditions. Pocknett is a member member of the Mashpee Wapanog tribe and grew up on Cape Cod. She was hired to revamp the menu of the restaurant at the Mash and Tucket Pequot Museum when it was being rebranded back in 2016. And if you've noticed the air is rather smoky at the moment, then spare a thought for our Canadian neighbours as Canada is on track for its worst ever year of wildfire destruction as warm and dry conditions continue in the country with blazes burning in nearly all Canadian provinces and territories, according to information from the Canadian federal government. Quebec in eastern Canada is currently the worst impacted due to multiple fires ignited by lightning storms. Smoke from the wildfires is continuing to make its way down into the US, causing air quality issues for many states. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at Connecticut-East.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East this week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand and by asking your smart speaker to play Connecticut East This Week podcast. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening.